listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 279 and 280 of Fed by Ravens, where we are just working our way through the scriptures, and I do have to let everyone know we've changed how we sit. (laughs) It's really kind of throwing me off right now. It's throwing me off. Matt's to my left now instead of to my right, but we'll see how we get through. There's a lot of good stuff today, so let's get... Above you? It's very weird. Let's get to it. Boom. Old Testament. Our Old Testament reading for today is Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 18 through chapter 15. Jeremiah is struggling. When you first read, uh, the, is it the end of chapter 11? <laughs> it sounds like he's talking about um, almost the way people persecuted Jesus. And uh, then as, well, it is the way yeah. they persecute Jesus. And so you're thinking, whoa, is this some kind of prophetic thing about Jesus? And then you get to the end and it's like, he lists his little town. It, for us, it'd be like all this horrible stuff. They're plotting against me and Matt. Mm-hmm. They're trying to kill us. They're destroying us. They're doing all this stuff. And then, and then, and then our letter says, why has Orlando come against us? <laughs> and, uh, and God's, so he lists Anothoth, like his yeah. little, his his little village, yeah. right? And they're all against him because they're saying, Please shut up, Jeremiah. Yeah. So, like, there is an actual assassination plot, mm-hmm. and the Lord lets Jeremiah in on it to protect him, because the Lord said, look, a lot of crazy stuff is going to go down. Like, at the very beginning of his ministry, he said, a lot of crazy stuff's going to go down. People around you are yeah. going to die. Uh, be with me, and I will protect you. So just remember when you see one of those cool little verses on a wall at Hobby Lobby or on a piece of wood, and it says about how God will deliver you, you have to ask yourself, why is God saying he'll deliver me? <laughs> That's the question. Wait, why is God saying this? Uh, because there's going to be real threats on your life. There's going to be stuff that you need to be delivered from. And I don't know if you're like me, but I try to set up my whole life in a way that I never need to be delivered, that I'm totally self-sufficient and everything's safe and locked down and peaceful. So when we claim the promises that God's going to deliver us, we're also assuming the idea that we're going to be in some hot water. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he definitely is, which leads to chapter 12. Yes, which Jeremiah is has up. a very honest conversation with God. And we'll see this. He has several of these where yeah. he's just like, Lord, why? And, why me? And again, whenever you see an honest... Con- so his conversation is... it's. In most Bibles, it'll say Jeremiah's complaint. Mm-hmm. And he's asking God the why questions. Like, why are you just sitting by letting this? Why do wicked people prosper? Mm-hmm. And it's very uh, Job. Yes. Well, that's the, that's the thing I was going to say, was that now that we're all the way through Jeremiah, he's not the first person in this story to ask. Mm-hmm. You have Moses and mm-hmm. you have uh, Abraham. You have uh, several. I can't remember them all right now. But the idea is... It's a real relationship. Yeah. And so God can handle your complaint when you're, you're looking around going, I don't make, I, this doesn't make sense. Where are you? Mm-hmm. Because again, it's a conversation with God. It's not trying to declare God is powerless or look somewhere else. You can have the conversations with God. You just don't want to have the conversations about God with some other God. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. So it's all about who you're having the conversation with. And so Jeremiah is safe to make his complaints known to God. And just like Job, the answer comes back, uh, you don't know what I'm doing, Jeremiah. Basically, essentially, it's like, 
you have no idea what I'm holding together. And so you got to trust me. And Jeremiah, I know it seems like wicked people prosper and the good people are mm-hmm. being threatened. Their lives are right. being threatened. But Jeremiah, you're learning to trust me mm-hmm. and I'll let you in on the secret. I will pluck them. Yeah. At the right time. Oh, but then I will also have compassion on them because my overarching goal for all these godless, manipulative, really oppressive, mean people is to save them. Yes. Like God's pleasure is in our salvation. So at first you're like, why do you let wicked people live? But then you realize the closer you get to God, oh dear Lord, I am wicked. We're all wicked. So thank God for his slowness, his steadfast to love, he's slow to anger, abounding in goodness. Like... Thank God for that. But that is our biggest complaint is when we start to get our act together, everyone around me isn't. Yeah. And it looks like they have money and looks like their Facebook pictures look like they're having fun. And God's like, just relax, buddy. Yeah. I do love his uh, opening line to Jeremiah. Um, <laughs> if you're tired, if you're uh, burnt out trying to race with men, yes. are you going to really try to race with horses right now? Mm-hmm. Comparing, uh, it's pretty great yeah. opening line. Like, really? You're going to come at me? That's pretty great. It okay. Is, I'm trying to think what that's like today. Like, <laughs> you know, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. Kind yes, of thing. Like, yes. Oh, you th- so you want to play with the big boys? All yeah. right. Okay. Well, then he gives, I don't know if you have anything else to say no, about that. It's no. a really heartfelt, because Jeremiah is not afraid to show his emotions. I think it's because he's yeah. in such a relationship with God. It's just him and God in mm-hmm. the sense of for the people. Right. And everybody's going... We don't know what you're talking about. You I'm, keep saying the opposite of what the other prophets are saying. I would say that I, I know there are other prophets and other people yeah. at, operating at his time. We read one, right? Yeah. Zephaniah. Yes. But I would say to Jeremiah's, he, <laughs> out of all of the guys we've read so far, feels the most alone. Yes. <laughs> Imagine trying to plant a church in 2010. This uh, might be what you feel like. Yeah. But not even close. Chapter 13, then. So after you have a real good conversation with God, God likes to give little um, objective lessons, not only for the people, but maybe for the prophet a little bit too. Mm-hmm. He's like, uh, and God has a way of showing us how much we're loved, how much we're in trouble, and how much we're loved. Mm-hmm. And so he does, uh, I don't remember this from previous readings. I would love to preach on the necessity of clean underwear mm-hmm. from chapter 13 of Jeremiah. It's the ruined (laughs) loincloth. So he tells him to go buy a loincloth, which is underwear. It clings. These are tidy whities Yes. Think of a diaper. Yeah. And God has a very interesting request. Do not wash it. Oh, yeah. No, even worse. He's like, go (laughs) hide it. But first he says, don't wash it. Don't wash it. Hide it underneath a rock next to the Euphrates River. Yes. And... uh, let it sit there for a while, and I'll tell you when to go back. Right. And you can go grab it. So think about like how you spend your day. Uh, and your wife says, what would you do today? Did you get a lot done for the church today, Matt? <laughs> uh, it's hard to explain. Where have you been? It's been like two weeks. Well, I don't know how to explain this over a stew at the end of a day of work. But uh, So I just imagine telling my wife, so yeah, funny story. God told me to buy some underwear. We don't, you know we don't have money for underwear. Everyone, I know. What's wrong with the underwear I washed for you? Nothing. It was a God thing. So where are the underwear now? That's a funny story. They're buried either a couple miles away or 400 miles. It depends on the Hebrew reading, actually. Uh, yes. It doesn't matter. I have to go back anyway when God tells me. 
<laughs> okay, Jeremiah. Now you have a, a home life issue. It's always bad news for that guy. Yeah. So then he goes back and he gets the underwear and he shows... He and, has to then take... And it's spoiled. It's good for nothing. It's literally good for nothing. There's spoiled cloth that's been buried in... It's rotten. Yeah. Mm, Who knows? Most likely holy. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Full of holes. Yes. And uh, and what is he supposed to do with the underwear? As if it's not bad enough, you have to tell leaders you in to... your hometown and all over Israel and Judah, you have to go and say, God's mad at you and he's going to destroy us. Now you have to go with the message of dirty underwear, mm-hmm. which he, God is very explicit. He says, the pride of Judah and Israel is like a spoiled pair of underwear. Mm-hmm. Basically, you were supposed to be close to me. You were supposed to be the underwear of God. Isn't that funny? Like you were supposed yeah. to be the closest thing to God yes. that protects and covers where people come from. Mm-hmm. The name, the praise, the glory of having children. Like you were, of the all the parts of the body of God on earth throughout all history, you got to be the organs of life. Mm -hmm. Instead, (laughs) instead, you're disgrace. You're now, yeah, a rotten cloth. You're a rotten cloth, good for nothing. I'm finding, I'm moving to boxers. Right. Essentially, that's the message. And yet we know in God's grace, uh, he's made us again a clean loincloth in Jesus, right? So that even now we... A clean loincloth in Jesus. I know. Preach it. It's so hard. (laughs) This is why people can't read the Old Testament because there's too many hurdles to get to the good message, which is, hey, man, Christ has given us new undies. Yeah. And so now the Word of God actually brings forth life. Like you, people get born again through you preaching because you are the clean underwear of Christ. Anyway, and all we hear is... I'm going to do laundry this week. I'm sorry, uh-huh. Lord. We just take the guilt of it. Well, that if that wasn't enough, he then moves to jars of wine. Yeah. And he, he takes another uh, objective lesson of wine being something that everyone uses to celebrate, to mm-hmm. get drunk with, and they're all partying. And mm-hmm. he basically says, yeah, God's going to fill up all your wine bottles Yeah. with the wrath of God that mm-hmm. will be poured upon you. So this... This uh, time of celebration will be flipped to destruction, confusion, instead of joy. So like what should have caused, brought you joy, Whoa. time will run out and it'll bring judgment. Yes. J to J, joy to judgment. That's oh. why, again, we drink of the blood of Christ today. Thank you, God, for taking the, the full wrath, Yeah. the I, cup of wrath when he <clears> says, um, your will be done, not mine, before he goes to the cross. And then uh, he basically says... Uh, threatens exile yeah and it goes uh, all judah is taken into exile wholly taken into exile and basically god will punish and ashamed or reveal the shame of israel to the world and uh, let them go out into babylon i know uh although it's... there's a pretty amazing i like the idea of we have as much we like yes. the, uh, that Judah is as capable of doing good as a leopard is of changing its spots. Yes, or the Ethiopian his skin, skin color. color. I was like, whoa, okay, right, and and that'll be actually come up. I've applied in our New Testament reading about mm-hmm. the work of God on the heart and the cleansing yeah. and all that stuff. But he does say like they just won't change. Mm-hmm. 
they can't change. They, they can't, can't change, change it, their own hearts. They're incapable of changing. They're incapable of circumcising their hearts. Right. So we are in need of a supernatural cleansing, mm-hmm. not just for the underwear, but our hearts as well. So in the meantime, since they can't change... <laughs> Let me help you. We're going to bring famine, sword, and pestilence upon oh. the nation. Isn't it interesting? So, okay, like, let's just deal with drought, right? And pestilence, natural yes. disasters. So the way God tells Jeremiah to view a natural disaster and the connection for people is to the earth. Mm -hmm. And so um, I feel like in today's age, we spend a lot of time, at least in the spiritual community, trying to calm people down. Like there's been like six natural disasters in 2018. There's been a ton. In fact, at Matthew's Hope, they're helping homeless people and the giving is down because there's been so many natural disasters. People are giving to that, which is very nice. And Mm -hmm. But we tell people, oh, it's just science. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with God's wrath or anger. It's nothing like that. So just bad things happen, which is partly true. Bad things happen. We don't want to always super spiritualize it. But when you read the scriptures, at a minimum, a drought in the land should cause... I was thinking what it causes for us. So last year's hurricanes in Orlando... At a minimum, it causes people to come together. Yes. Oh, I need my neighbors now. Mm -hmm. They need me. And it does cause people to go, dear God, don't let that giant, beautiful live oak fall on my house. Right. And And so it still does produce, like, look to God, at Mm -hmm. least at a minimum during the storm or after the storm. Like, don't let my house get more injured. Don't let this and that and the other. It does draw you to that. And I think in Jeremiah, it's saying, yeah, this is a sign to you that the Lord is pulling away his presence. Yeah, and, and there is a constant theme of our sin affects the land we live in. I know. It always, it's a, an infection. It spoils the land. So, okay, so here's my question. Because, you know, I know we don't want to be going out there, be the guy saying, these hurricanes have happened because of this group or that group or because of sin. I mean, generally, all storms happen because of the sin of Adam and Eve because yes. death has entered yeah. in. Now yeah. the earth is even in rebellion. Yes. We believe that. So mm-hmm. it all goes back to sin. So instead of us deciding, here's what I came to. Instead of me being the one to figure out whose fault it is and right, say, right. I get to just say what storms naturally do, which is, hey, let's help each other, but let's ask God to minimize the damage, to protect us. Yeah. And God, right. uh, please protect us. Have mercy on us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like a, a good message during natural disasters is like, look to God. We believe he has power over the whole earth. And so we ask or even for his protection. Confess your own sin yes. and ask God to forgive you and the sin that you've brought to the land and that he'll prevent and ask him to prevent natural disasters from happening. Because I do think they... D- Natural disasters remind you you're not in control right. of anything. Right. Because I think about like drought was a big thing on an agricultural society. Yeah. But now oh, that we've man. figured out water and like how to irrigate everything, the thing that now disrupts our societies mm-hmm. are like hurricanes and earthquakes right. and volcanoes. But, but I'm thinking of even in Las Vegas, like and uh, wild in California. Fires. Yeah. There's fires, but then there's limited water resources mm-hmm. now. Like the dams and the lake mead doesn't fill up enough. And it's like, it's crazy. It is crazy. And instead of relying on God and asking him, we rely purely on our own solutions. Mm-hmm. And I think it, we're made spiritual and physical and we have access to both spiritual and physical means. So build, build the dam <clears> and <throat> create the reservoir and then cry out to the God who sends the rain. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> Jeremiah kind of gets to this point of like, being like, God, at least 
let the drought end. Yeah. Like, can we at least do this? Can we... I would like to see something good happen in my lifetime. And the Lord's like, I need you to stop praying for them. He does. In verse 11, <laughs> the Lord said to me, do not pray for the welfare of this people. Though they fast, I will not hear their cry. And though they offer burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them, but I will consume them by sword, famine, and pestilence. Has the Lord ever told you not to pray? That's yeah. tough. The Lord is like, I'm done here. We're, we're, we're done. But Jeremiah, in a line of really good prophets, says, so he's already complained once, but he mm. says, Lord, please, like, I know you told me not to, but I'm just going to keep wrestling with this. It's mm-hmm. not their fault. It's the prophet's fault. The prophets keep saying to them, we're fine, we're fine, peace, peace, when there is yeah, no peace. There's a bunch of other prophets that are going around saying they've heard from you, and they're saying that everything's going to be fine. We're, they're not going to be devoured by sword, right. famine, and pestilence. And the Lord's like, yeah, they didn't come from me. They're lying. They've been filled with a lying spirit. Yeah. And uh, they're going to, they themselves will be consumed yeah. by all the things they prophesy against. There's bad news for uh, false prophets. So mm-hmm. if, if you're a prophet out there, make sure you're sent from God speaking God's truth. And it reminds me of law and gospel, though. You got to, you know, <clears throat> we can't always be saying, oh, you're good. I'm mm-hmm. good. Everything's good. We got to say truth. Like, right. this is not what God wants for you. And then God does respond, though, with uh, kind of a callback to Moses and Samuel stood before me, mm-hmm. um, yet my heart would not turn toward this people. Yeah, so he's like, even going back, like, look, I know Moses successfully intervened. I know Samuel successfully intervened for the people. But even if they were here today, I'm not turning right now. Right. They're so far gone. They need and, They need to go through this. And then he drops Manasseh's name, who was a historically evil king. Remember under- great King Hezekiah? Yeah. So his... Sweet baby boy, grew up to be one of the worst kings in Judah's history. After Hezekiah did so much, they made a good push, mm-hmm. but it wasn't enough. And so that's when the Lord's like, "Sorry, Jerry, that's what I'm calling Jeremiah. Oh, good. Sorry, Jerry, it's not going to happen." And then Jeremiah is just pretty much complaining again. He's like, "Woe is me!" Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I just God handles him by going, "Yeah, I, I know it's hard, but hey, look, Jerry." I'm calling you from the wasteland of doubt. Ooh. You are in the wasteland of doubt. The wasteland of doubt. And so uh, I think I got that from chapter uh, 15, 15, verse right? 20, 21 or something. Um, but uh, yeah, it's anyway. I will again, uh, don't worry, Jeremiah. Don't worry, Jerry. I'll be with you. I'll deliver mm-hmm. you. There's that beautiful message of I am with you to save you and deliver you, which is so comforting. But yeah. if you read the last part, deliver you out of the hand of the wicked. That means you're in the hand of the wicked. Yeah. To redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. That means you're in the hand of the ruthless. Mm-hmm. So, oh, Lord, deliver us. It's, ne- it's never easy for the prophet who has to speak the truth of God, especially to disobedient, wicked people. But there's always repentance available. There is. I'm glad God's slow. There it is. The OT, the Old Testament. Testament. Our New Testament reading for today is Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 through chapter 4 verse 1. Well, as we continue to kind of get in the mind of Paul, it's so brilliant. Mm-hmm. I really love Paul. Can't wait to hang out with him in the <clears throat> new creation and just talk theology. And I probably won't, I won't do much talking, unfortunately. <laughs> 
I'll just do most of the, what did you mean here? What did this, was I right? Was I right? Was I right? And he's like, no, 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 but that's my whole thing. It's all about grace. Uh, so in chapter two, verse six, he says, therefore. So we're building off one and two, mm-hmm. which is uh, starting to address the lean towards Gnostic mystery mixed with Jewish tradition. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you received Christ. So walk in him. Not, do not walk in the secrets and the angels and the law, but walk in him, in Christ, by faith, right. with thanks. It'll produce thanksgiving in you. Right. So his whole focus is to go, look, if you desire mysteries, if you want knowledge, you want all of this stuff, go to Jesus. He has it all. Right. Stop going to all these other things or reasons or mysticism of the world. Go to Christ for this stuff. Remember, I don't know if you remember, there was a book written, and it still has people kind of subscribing to it, called The Secret. And everyone's trying to figure out the secret to business, the secret to life, to happiness. And Uh it's like, it's a mix of getting your mind and doing the right things, and then you'll be happy. And that's what Paul is like, watch out for. That's empty deceit. It's all Mm -hmm. idolatry. It's Mm -hmm. all these philosophies. And the cool, amazing thing is, is that Christ, I mean, that's where he says, um, Christ is embodies all those things like whatever secret uh whatever angelic word you get Mm -hmm. or whatever secret mysterious knowledge you gain or whatever uh traditional like learning how to just live according to laws that is helpful for you christ is the fullness he's the whole fullness of all those things like bodily and spiritually Mm -hmm. it dwells in christ so what he's saying is like no matter what you connect to Right. Christ is above it because he's the creator. He's the preeminent one. Right. And he's the ultimate body and spirit. spirit. Yes. So like why go to a lesser when you mm-hmm. have complete access or why to the go full? to one or the other? Like yeah. so why go to the spirit or why go to the body? Go like God Christ has both. I mean, and think about how shocking this is. He's essentially saying that Christ is bigger and better than all the pantheon of the gods, mm-hmm. of the angels, the pseudo divine beings that might emanate from these forces of nature, all the emperors, Mm -hmm. all the authorities, anything that you see on earth or you've heard of in the spirit realm, Christ is above. His reign is higher and better. And it reminds me like, I don't know if you're familiar with the Nicene Creed, but Christ is very God of very God, one substance with the Father. Mm -hmm. And this leads to a very theological term. We may have used it in the Gospels, but the hypostatic Mm -hmm. union. What? What? Flesh and spirit together. Mm-hmm. Then Paul says, you're filled with this. Yes, yes. You're filled with the ultimate temple, like the hypostatic uh-huh. union of Christ, which is all God, all man, in you by faith. Are you kidding? Well, and it's, how. well, the question yes. is, well, how? How are we how, filled by him? How do you know? How do we know? And that's where we get into some of this heart stuff. Well, and then he's like, okay, so... Uh, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by yes. putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Oh, and what's the circumcision of Christ? That's Baptism. A, see, this is huge. Circumcision of the heart is now baptism. Baptism. So how do we know that? Because he actually says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. All right. And you were dead in your trespass and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, with him, having forgiven us all our trespass by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with all its legal demands. 
This he set aside. I have to keep reading. I'm sorry. Nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Now, how did you use this verse all growing up, Matt? The one about you were buried uh, with him, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith. Uh, I think this verse was kind of just skipped. Really? Mm -hmm. To me, it was always used uh, to prove one thing and one thing alone. Full immersion baptism. Oh, <laughs> isn't that funny? Because whatever reason, the churches I went to were fighting against uh, sprinkling yeah. or they're fighting against infant baptism. Yes. They're fighting against something lesser than what Paul is talking about here. Right. Paul is, doesn't care about the mode here yes. at all. No. What he's saying is we no longer circum- circumcision was the covenant sign of God setting you apart as his people. Mm-hmm. Now the covenant sign is bigger and better. It's death. So yeah, be fully immersed, my people. Yeah, doesn't matter. Like, but in your baptism, you died and you rose again with him. Right. Forgive. You got the forgiveness of sins, and it's a work of God mm-hmm. on you. Yes. Changing. Guess what the baptism does? Changes the spots of the leopard and the skin of the Ethiopian. Yeah. Do you see how it ties together? Uh, yeah, that's great. Because like, how do we know we have this hypostatic union? How do we know we have access to all the heavenlies mm-hmm. and the earthly and joy and? Pe- Baptism. Yeah. Christ gave us, he works through baptism. Yeah. He cleanses our uh, dirty loincloth and, and gives yes. us a sparkling new linen one. And you want to know, and you still you still have this desire for works? Well, don't worry. Here's what Christ is doing. He's canceling the record. He's being nailed to the cross. He's disarming rulers and authorities. He's putting them to open shame. And mm-hmm. then he's having a huge victory parade. Yeah. That we're all a part of because of our baptism. So then he gets into, therefore... Because right. of this, don't get caught up in the shadows. Don't get caught up in passing judgment on who's more holy, who's less holy, mm-hmm. where the secrets are. Here's the true if leader. If we do this festival and and this one and follow this rite or ritual and like it'll make us better. Not he's funny. Like, he's like, no, 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 stop. Don't get caught up in our old religious festivals uh, and all this stuff. And I think he's addressing the flesh part of it now. Yeah. He's saying, you guys want to do all this, and even asceticism, Mm -hmm. which is you beat yourself and you feel like, oh, I'm more holy. He's like, you have one thing. Right. You have Christ. And then if you want to have a a tradition or something, I've given you baptism where I say I'll work. But he goes from asceticism to the worship of angels and the keeping of days. So it's a total weird mix in this town. Right, it is. Of Jewish, wanting to go back to Jewish. I, I think the temptation is to return to something that's known. Right, So is. I'll go to the Jewish faith or I'll go to um, the, the new incipient Gnosticism right. that's brewing. Well, and I, I, could see, I could see how, like, within the mysticism stuff, like, if I follow these rules and these religious festivals, they will uh, allow me to ascend the spiritual heights. And looking for a substitute to Christ because it's dishonorable and, and right. hard to understand and all right. that stuff. But there is no substitute. And I think in our day and age, this is where we insert... Uh, rationalism, mm-hmm. um, empiricism, evolutionism, socialism, postmodernism, and legalism. legalism. Like he's like, no, 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 mm-hmm. get rid of all that. Mm-hmm. So then he goes, all this will knit us together. He uses that idea too of being knit together and growing up um, into the whole body, right? Yeah. So then he, he does the whole thing. If Christ died for us, why do you still? put yourself under those rules, a slavery of do not handle, do not touch, do not taste. Mm-hmm. Chapter three then, so you're with me, if you're, if you're with me, so if this is true, set 
If you've been raised with Christ, set your heart, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on these things above, not on things that are on the earth. And at first it sounds like, wait, so now just look above? Yeah, so but, now it starts to sound like, wait, is he talking about Gnosticism? So I've read these verses going, yeah, the earth doesn't matter. I right. need to look only no. to heavenly things. And he's like, no, no, that's where Christ is. Right. Seek your, set your mind on Christ. He happens to be up there. Right. But that's why this whole thing will end where he comes to his glory is our glory. He's coming again. So set your mind on Christ mm-hmm. because you're hidden. And don't look to the earth. Don't look to the wisdom of the world right. for answers. And I know this is what he means because verse four says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Mm-hmm. Like it's about setting your mind on Christ not trying to disembark from the physical. Mm-hmm. So the things around you matter. You're, you're dead. Your life is hidden with Christ. And he's like, okay, so now you want to put something to death, right? You want to do something? I'll throw you a bone here and tell right. you what you put away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, um, obscene talking, lying. And instead now you put on the new self, which is renewed after the special knowledge, mm-hmm. the knowledge after the image of the creator, Christ. Right. You have a new identity, and you're free. You are free, and you are all equal in Christ now. It's crazy. You're not ascending, like, one of you is not ascending to any higher level yes. than the other. You're not missing out. Yes. You See, are we all, all just don't equal miss out. under Christ. Like, what am I missing out? Your life seems better than mine. Right. What am I missing? Tell me. Don't withhold. Yes. God's withholding from me, but he's not from you. No. Mm-hmm. He hasn't withhold. He didn't withhold his only son. Yes. Now what you get, this you get a new identity of Christ placed mm-hmm. on you, which is compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiving as you've been forgiven, love. And let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. You can't have this peace apart from Christ. Right. Um, it's interesting. I often want to do everything perfect. Yes. There's a need for perfection. And as a result, if you find yourself angry a lot, you're probably a person who needs things to be right. And if you need things to be right and it's up to you, you will always be angry because you can't control the way people drive. You can't control the things they say. You can't even control yourself. But we get to exchange that need for control to Christ. And what I realize is God is powerful enough to rule the universe Mm -hmm. and to know every hair on my head. Yeah, He's all loving. And when someone is all powerful and all loving, guess what they can give you? Peace. Peace. When you submit to them when you say i'm done being in control mm-hmm. i need you that's the only way you have a peace mm-hmm. so then paul says okay so let the word of christ let the word of god dwell richly in you mm-hmm. so that whatever you do wherever you find yourself you have access to peace yeah because you're under the one all-powerful all-loving creator all spiritual all human god of the universe jesus christ and so let me show you what this looks like right and so he goes through every possible relationship we have so it goes through relationships and so when you read this and i've often read this and i always approach it from my individualistic american lens i know and so i so instantly we don't approach these usually as, oh, we are in constant need of community and relationships, and we need, to, and there's roles in these relationships, and we need to work these out. And so he just went to a great length saying we're all equal in Christ. So don't read this as like some people are greater than others. It's some people have different roles than others, and for the community to work, this is how these roles work. And so let's explore this. And Paul is again, just like in Ephesians. 
he set it out. Like we're all under Christ. Mm -hmm. Christ had his role and now our role is to receive it and walk in it and then live, bring it to whatever role we engage. Because he's not saying, oh, husbands are better than wives, parents are better than children, masters are better than slaves. He's not saying any of that. He's actually saying, now your newfound identity in Christ will permeate everywhere you go. Mm Because see these verses about like... um, Oh, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. I used to do it individually. Yeah. Like, oh, I have to only do, figure out how to watch this right. football game to the glory of God. No, that's not what he's saying. Mm-hmm. He's saying you will bring the glory of God to all things when you understand you're under Christ. Right, and he's speaking to the community. Right, so here's how it affects a marriage. Yeah. Husbands and wives love each other. They yeah. submit to one another. Parents love their children and don't exacerbate them. Don't like try to anger. He has a great line in there about like, don't, don't provoke your children unless they become discouraged. Yes. And slaves obey and everything. Um, and masters be good to your slaves. So in in essence, it's like, you know how it is. You've been uh, a worker and then sometimes you've been in charge. Right. And the, the, the slave master, he's slave to the bottom line every Mm -hmm. month. Mm -hmm. And then the slave is slave to him. And the parent is trying to figure out and just like trying to raise a good kid. And if the kid is sabotaging the parent, it's not going to work. Yeah, so if you look at these, again, it's all for the sake of unity. It's all for the sake of us. We need a community. We were made for community and relationships. Yeah. And so if you have any power, don't abuse it. Yeah. Again, approach it from love. And if you are under someone else's authority and power, submit to them. And don't try to sabotage their authority. Right. Because again, it's all for order and a working community. And you can handle Treat that. each other in love and there will be peace and understanding and unity among uh, your, your community. Yeah, exactly. And that's why it ends with, uh, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. Mm-hmm. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive your inheritance as a reward. I realize that all the relationships, so it's marriage, parents, work, but he also is talking about your relationship with God. Yeah. And uh, a whole new mind, a new heart of freedom, the spirit and flesh together, just like Jesus. This is where all of our power, salvation, and love will be found. Last thought, Matt. My daughter in college has to take a philosophy course, and the whole thing was about the good life. Ooh. And they had, to, they had to figure out what's the good life and use all the philosophies, but they weren't allowed to use Christianity. And I, I think it's ironic, like, oh, don't use that. Try to use the other, ph- to show that you've learned these philosophies. Uh-huh. So it's like ironic, right? It's right. like saying, show you've learned philosophies, not just what you were raised or you believe. And so they had to come up with what would be the good life. And so I found well, a way, because I know a lot of philosophy, <laughs> to take all the Christian influences and in certain philosophies to help her. Because in this one, I didn't want to leave it up to her. Yeah. But the good life, Paul is talking about the good life. Yeah. You want to know the secret? To the good life? Yeah. Christ. Set your mind on Christ. He is all in all. He's over all, and he loves you. Is that why they're not allowed to use Christianity? Because it's too easy? I think so. That's the irony. It's like, well, that would actually solve most of the problems. But uh, we like to work harder and figure your it out ourselves. too simple for that one, so we yeah. need to come up with something else. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Once again, you're brilliant, man. Our psalm for today is Psalm 118 verses 1 through 16. 
O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among the thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are the tents, are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. Man, that was beautiful. That's a good one. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.